The U.S. policy with regard to China, and particularly with regard to Taiwan vis-a-vis China, as I see it today, is particularly dangerous. Um, I'm encouraged to a certain extent, a very tiny little extent, really, but nonetheless encouraged, by the fact that I picked up my phone this morning, clicked on and saw in the New York Times overview that Biden has essentially said that Nancy Pelosi shouldn't go to Taiwan. That is a small thing, but at least it's indicative of maybe the president's understanding that we are in a very perilous situation vis-a-vis Beijing right now and Taiwan, and that we shouldn't exacerbate it. She would take a whole delegation with her, and as I remember, she would be the highest, um, in that sense, she'd be the highest Americans to go to Taipei in a long, long time. Um, That's not good because that's just sticking your finger in Xi Jinping's eye and twisting it. And we've been sticking our fingers in his eyes for some time now. Um, People like Richard Haas, my former boss, saying that our policy now should be strategic clarity, not strategic ambiguity. I'm sorry, Richard, that's stupid. Very stupid. It's worked for a long time. It, It can continue to work for at least another decade or two. And that's a decade or two without war and without uh, China making, uh, using force to reclaim Taiwan. Strategic clarity is, as Richard Haas would have it, is we will fight you to the death if you take over Taiwan. Strategic ambiguity is we recognize that uh, there's only one China. We recognize that uh, you are that China, Xi. Um, But we also ask you to refrain from the use of military force against Taiwan. That's strategic ambiguity, and it's worked. Even worse than that, I think it would be making it NATO status and sticking your uh, middle finger up at Beijing at the same time. Um, And so I think the policy should continue as a very successful strategic ambiguity. Now, I'm with Richard on the point that That can't go on forever. And so I think I'm back with Henry Kissinger and Richard Nixon and Ambassador Freeman and others who would say, I'm putting words in their mouths, of course, but I think they would say, well, eventually China and Taiwan will reunite. But it'll be peaceful and it'll be forced, uh, not forced, but it'll be compelled, let's put it that way, on them by the fact that they are so close economically and financially. They're like lips and teeth, to borrow another Chinese phrase. Um, And they're so close together right now economically that I I tend to think that is the main ingredient of their not fighting. In in other words, of China not using military force. Um, it, It would just be inimical to the economic relationship, which is quite strong and quite powerful. But if we make... Xi Jinping see it otherwise, see taking Taiwan back as a a matter of honor, so to speak, and uh, saying to hell with the economic relationship, Um, then that obviates the whole process and obviates the whole strategic ambiguity. That's the reason I don't like this strategic clarity business. Um, Because sometimes you look at history and you think, well, why did that happen? Why did those people start that war? And it's more over leaders' prestige and leaders' feelings and leaders' emotions and leaders' 
concept of what's happening to them and to their country than it is concrete reasons for using military force. Uh, so you don't want to put someone in that in that position. And this Pelosi visit would just be a slap in the face, two slaps in the face. So I hope Biden, I hope Pelosi's smart enough, I don't know that she is, to say, you know, save some face maybe a little bit, but to postpone the trip as she did once before because of COVID. Um, but that's a dangerous thing to do. And once you get there, you have a choice to make if you're Washington. Uh, I don't think China would do it by brute force. I think they would simply do it by innuendo and threat. Um, they would call up the current leadership and they would say, look, we're going to finish you. If, if you don't do what we want you to do in these stages, say over 10 years or whatever, and you don't make it public that we are taking these steps over the next 10 years, we're going to end you. And we don't give a hang about the United States whether they come in or they don't come in. We'll sink a couple of carriers and they'll be very reluctant to do anything further. Wow, that's crazy too, because you sink a couple of carriers and then we're in for a penny, in for a pound. Uh, so this is just a terrible, terrible way to do business. The strategic ambiguity was working, why mess with it? And let's keep hoping that eventually economic ties and the strength of those ties moves Taiwan and China, the mainland, together to the extent that uh, it is, in effect, uh, a rapprochement and a, a rejoining, if you will, of the final state, although Tibet still sits out there and Xinjiang province is still giving them all kinds of problems, too. But Taiwan's the festering one and the one that would drag us in very rapidly. And that's the one that needs to be ha handled with finesse. Unfortunately, we don't do finesse very well anymore. What's driving Nancy Pelosi to visit Taiwan? The midterms. Anything, anything to get some publicity, to get some notoriety even, to get more bona fides in the security business, which the Democrats still trail the Republicans in. That's the reason I hope that it's not serious enough to where she won't, you know, re revamp and revise her schedule. <laughs> I don't see the Taiwanese being that stupid either. I mean, they have been fairly receptive. This current government has been fairly receptive to this strategic clarity business. Um, but I think it, at the end of the day, they understand too that you don't want to go too far with this because even if we were to quote, win, unquote, with regard to Taiwan, Taiwan would be destroyed. <laughs>